what really marks you out as being an expert, even if you're not one, is when you start in the middle somewhere. That kind of stuns everybody because they don't know what the middle looks like. You're listening to Sean D'Souza, New Zealand cartoonist turned marketer. Not only did Sean create the terrific Psychotactics marketing website, he and his family take three months of real vacation every year without hurting his business. And you're about to learn how he does it because Sean is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing Sean D'Souza from New Zealand, who runs the marketing website psychotactics.com, as well as the 5000 BC Small Business Mentorship Program. Now, I've followed Sean's work since before I was a solopreneur myself. I've been a solopreneur for more than a decade, and I own several of his courses, and I'm sure many listening to this show will recognize Sean's name. But if you haven't, I can just say right now that you are in for a real treat and there's a ton of ground I want to cover today. So let's dive in. Sean, welcome to the show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Awesome. I appreciate you get up early in the morning here. I know you're an early riser. I'm not. <laughs> so it works out for me. I'm in the afternoon here. I've read a lot about your background, but I was wondering if maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about the path. You had a variety of backgrounds, including designer, cartoonist, which is awesome, to get to where your main business is today. Can you kind of maybe describe your course, in a sense, to where you got here? Yeah, the thing is that I started out as a cartoonist. So, so this is like the fat story, like the exact story. You know, it's like, okay, I started out as a cartoonist. I got into advertising as a copywriter, worked for a while as a web designer, got to New Zealand, and then decided I wanted to do marketing. That's kind of the short story. But I think there are lots of threads in between that make the story interesting in the sense that I think a lot of and I know this is going off from your usual format, but a lot of what makes who we are is just how we were brought up and, you know, the teachers that we ran into, the people that we ran into. But, yeah, to begin with, it was just cartooning. And the good thing was that I got encouraged. And once you are a cartoonist, then people think you can kind of do anything because you're crazy already. <laughs> so that kind of, I mean, when I went to join an advertising agency, I didn't go with any copy skills as in writing skills. I went with my cartooning book and the creative director of the agency, she says, you know, there's a difference between copywriting and cartooning. And I said, yes, but I would like to be a copywriter. And to her, I don't know, her goodwill or whatever you want to call it, she said yes. And so that's how I got into advertising. When I went from advertising to briefly into web design, that was the same thing. It was like, when do I start? This guy didn't see any of my web work. He didn't see any of the stuff. I was in web design. When I got into marketing, it was the same thing. It was, they didn't, you know, no one had a background or understanding that I was a cartoonist or a web designer or whatever. They just accepted that I was going to help them with their marketing. And so the pattern that you see out there is there was this perception that I could solve their problem and that's the kind of journey that I've been on, which is that other people have either trusted me to do something or have trusted me with something that they've had. And so that's how I've got to where I am. 
And that's a terrific point. I had a coaching call with a client just earlier this morning, and it was about building authority. And, and this is somebody who's new to copywriting, for example. And this person is trying to build a copywriting business, and he's coming out of a, a medical background. Yeah. She says, well, how, you know, how, why would somebody listen to me? And the point is, is you present an authority figure to the audience, and they're going to accept you as you are. And you've kind of done that multiple times. You started you know, cartooning and then and marketing and, and building upon that. So that's very much a journey that anyone can take, whatever your path is, just because it may be a new path, you can build upon past experiences as well as present a brand new face to the world. I think that's important to remember for the listeners is that you don't have to be stuck in whatever was in the past. You can move forward and create a new life. Yeah, I think the most important element here is never to start at the beginning. If you go into, say, marketing or you go into something, you say, let's start at the beginning. No. What really marks you out as being an expert, even if you're not one, is when you start in the middle somewhere. That kind of stuns everybody because they don't know what the middle looks like. And so if you go and you say, okay, let's talk about how we can adopt this moonshot system for your business. And it's like, what is moonshot? Like if you go and say, oh, let's do marketing strategy. Let's do goal setting. Now what you're doing is you're approaching it from the conventional angle. And so you're going to be quite, you're going to feel like a fraud yourself. But if you start in from the middle somewhere, you take a concept that no one is really thinking of. So that's what kind of what we did with the brain audit. Now, it seems pretty common that people think of a problem right now. But when I wrote the brain audit, it was very uncommon that people would start with a the problem. They would start with the benefit, with the solution. That's what they were told to do. When the brain audit started out with the problem, it's like, no. The brain is focused on the problem, not the solution. So it started from somewhere that the kind of, maybe you could call it slightly confrontational, but also something that people weren't used to, which is why they will listen to you. And, you know, the copywriter person will say, okay, let's start at the headlines. No, why don't we start at the bullets? Why don't we start at the uniqueness? Like before we write any headline, let's start off with the uniqueness. That's kind of which gets the person's attention. And that's really interesting as far as copywriting too, because a lot of people always say, start with a big idea. And sometimes getting that idea fleshed out, like you said, you know, running bullets, uh, that's a really interesting approach that, you know, I know some copywriters, they'll start at the very end, they'll write their offer first, not the headline. They'll come up with, what am I trying to make this person want? And why is it important to them in the first place? Well, you kind of back into the sales letter in that way. And, and talk about headlines and such. You do have a special report that I have. It's called Why Headlines Fail and How to Create Headlines that Work. It's a, it's a free report on your website. I'd love maybe just talk a little bit about why are headlines important and what is it that somebody listening to this show could do to immediately improve their headlines? So I didn't realize this till quite recently, but say you're writing a blog post. It's pretty obvious that you need headlines. But if you go onto YouTube, you also need headlines. If you are making a presentation and you have to call, get people to get your presentation, you also need headlines. Webinars, presentations, seminars. I was struggling the other day to find a place where we couldn't use headlines in business. And there isn't. There isn't a place where you can't use headlines in business. So it becomes pretty crucial to understand that the headline is something that starts the conversation in the sense that it pulls you in and the only job of the headline is to take you to the next line. And again, it depends on what you're trying to do, where your headline goes. 
a headline in a space where people don't know you is different from a space where people do know you. There are many ways to write headlines. It's a structure, like a whole eight-week course on how to write headlines, because I believe headlines is just like a conversation that we're having right now. So I just said something to you, and then you'll say something to me. And we won't go back and check, hey, was the grammar right on that? We just know that it's right because of the structure of the sentences. And headlines are like that. It's, I'll give you one kind of example of a headline. So you use the word and and even. So you say, how to eat a dinosaur and not feel too full after your meal. So what you've done there is you've kind of taken the headline and moved it forward. So how to eat a dinosaur is already interesting at some level. You can change it to anything. You can say how to do a figure drawing and do it, you know, in the next 15 minutes. So what and is doing is moving that story forward. But there is a contrasting factor, which is even. And even pulls the headline backwards. So you say how to do a figure drawing, even if you've tried it several times and failed before. So that's creating the contrast. Both of those factors, just by putting end and then continuing the sentence or even and pulling the sentence back, makes the headline far superior than how do you do figure drawing, full stop. And so we have a lot of these techniques that enable you to write headlines that you don't have to test, which is the whole point. It's like words that you know the grammar, the structure of, you don't have to test because testing drives people. Yeah, I, I don't know. It <laughs> drives me crazy. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to halfway agree with you because I think it's important to test headlines to see what works better, like split testing, for example. But I don't think that's what you're talking about. I think you're talking more about the grammatical format of a headline, right? Well, here's what we did. Marketingprofs.com is a website. It has now, I don't know, half a million subscribers. But what they used to do was they would run seven articles a week. And the article that got to the most read article would rise to the top organically, like, you know, with the number of clicks. So that was a great place because we published over 50 articles there. None of the headlines were tested. Every time we published our article, it would come to number two or number one out of seven headlines. What I'm saying to you is, if you feel like testing, go for it. But there is a science and a structure to a headline that causes more curiosity or less curiosity, depending on the audience that you're applying the headline to. And Got once it. you understand that, then this additional amount of time, money, energy, and stuff that you're doing in testing can be used to write better headlines, knowing why that headline works versus I'm going to put a headline there and I'm going to test if this one beats that one. And again, I'm coming from this confrontational point of view, which is testing works. Well, no. It's almost like saying, I'll show you, you go on a date and I'll show you if you do this versus that, it'll work. And you go, that doesn't make any sense. The other person has, no, it's nothing to do with anything. If you want to go up to a stranger and, and ask one type of question versus another type of question, you get completely different answers. So you go up to someone and you say, well, I can't talk to strangers on the street. But there is a question almost every stranger will answer. And you go, excuse me, what's the time? And now you've started the basis for a conversation. Now, it depends how creepy you are. Like if you're dressed like a weirdo, you're never going to get the time. But what I'm saying is that there is a perception that testing makes it better. 
But the problem is you don't know in the first instance the structure and the syntax that makes a great headline. If you know that, then my philosophy is that testing becomes irrelevant. Okay. So I want to say one thing about your headline formula with the even, and I thought that was really interesting because it seems to me that when you use that word even, that's a terrific place to immediately address perhaps their number one objection. Even if you have no time, even if you failed 10 times before, whatever that even is, that seemed like that's really negating their number one objection. So they can say, oh, well, maybe it will work for me and I'll go ahead and continue reading. I can see exactly why, especially something like even. And I also see what you mean by the and will move you forward. I like that. And so it's definitely something I will test because I'm a copywriter and I'm looking forward to trying some <laughs> of those it. techniques. Absolutely, you yep. bet. And I've tried some of your techniques in the past and success. So that's great. You offer an amazing amount of value. And the headlines report is just one thing, of course. Uh, you have the psychotactics.com website. And I've actually gotten some things from, from you free that I was like, unbelievable that you're giving this stuff away because it's like this great value. Why do you give away stuff free like that? Just to tell the world. I'm, I'm curious. So the first answer is I have too much stuff. I don't have the bandwidth to sell everything that we create. That's like the most obvious answer. In any given week, I could create five different articles that bounce off completely. Like today, my idea, I started out with a barista and I was talking to him about how many Sting albums fail. So that kind of conversations, you know, like I was talking to my wife about, do you know how when we draw a road, we draw it straight, like level, but there are no roads that are level. They're actually on a curve. That's because of rainwater and it needs to go to the side. And then the sidewalks or the pavements are sloping from top to bottom. So when you actually draw a road, it goes that way, which is slope, curve, and slope. And nobody draws that way. So there is a perception. And then the next conversation goes off in a completely different direction, which is how many failures that Sting have. What I'm saying here is there's too much information in my head already. It just goes on the website. But the second thing, and this is the interesting thing about sharing, is that the moment people see that there is a depth of knowledge there, they also want to share their information. And so people continuously email me or text me or do something, which sends me bouncing off in another direction, which then creates more content. I don't know. It's like the stuff that we sell gives us a very good life. I don't know what we'll do with double of that. <laughs> and I'm going to come back to that because I was kind of a leading question, to be completely honest with you, Sean, because I think it's important, and you kind of hinted at in your answer, is giving stuff away builds relationships. And more than that, my personal experience, I email you, some guy you don't know out of the blue, and you reply, or Renuka replies, your wife. And this is a relationship-building process for you that I know you're living it. Because I can shoot you an email, basically a complete stranger halfway across the world. And here I am sitting on a, on a call with you today because you're open to building relationships. Like you said about the barista, you can just have a conversation. And content builds conversations. But I, at the same time, you're not just giving away junk. You're giving away true value. And that's why it actually is successful building relationship, I would say. And I think that's great. You, know, you also, I told you I was going to come back to this. You mentioned about... I don't know what would do with double the money. And, and that's really interesting because I read on your website some time ago, something about what you call, I think you call it the tuna sandwich. Yes. Uh, in other words, <laughs> in the three-month vacation. Matter of fact, you have a podcast about three-month vacation. Could you tell our audience a little bit about what does that mean, the tuna sandwich, the three-month vacation? 
What does that mean to you? So there was this Calvin and Hobbes cartoon, and it's around Christmas time, and Calvin is this character, this guy, for those who don't know Calvin and Hobbes. And then Hobbes is this philosophical tiger that he has, which is not real, just a figment of his imagination. Anyway, they behave as though they're both real or the tiger is real. Now, it's almost Christmas time, and Calvin is making a list. And he's saying, I want a rocket ship, I want this launcher, I want... And he's making this massive list, which lots of people do. And eventually, he realizes Hobbes is around, and he goes, and what do you want for Christmas? And he says, I want a tuna sandwich. And so Calvin goes ballistic. It's like, you're going to get all this stuff. Santa is in the business of doing all that. And I'm making half of this up as I go, but... But essentially, that's what he says. He says, you could get all this stuff. And then you get to, it got to Christmas Day. And Calvin is going, I'm going to sue Santa. He didn't bring me on any of my stuff. And, and Hobbes is, I got my tuna sandwich. <laughs> and the point here is, have you defined what your tuna sandwich is? Because almost any way you look, I mean, and we're not just talking about now the internet, but if you look at ancient Rome, or you look at ancient Greece, or India, or China, it's always, we have to double, we have to grow, we have to expand, we have to, but what is your tuna sandwich? I mean, when do you start to be happy? I mean, that's the problem, because, you know, yesterday I spoke to someone, he has about 15 million people that follow him. When does he start to be happy? He doesn't know. And I have another friend who's writing a book about this, and we're trying to get a cover, you know, like a title for him. And one of the titles we got from a song, which is The Great Pretender, which is, you know, what is it? When are you going to be happy? And he said that most of the people that he knows, and he coaches some massive big shots, he says they're lonely, they're unhappy, they have lots of money, they have lots of fame at some level. And so that's what we decided. We decided that we need to know what our tuna sandwich is. And when you go back to the podcast or our philosophy, it is that we work kind of how the day operates. The day operates on a 16 by 8, which is what? 2 is to 1? Yeah, 2 is to yeah. 1. Well, we tweaked it a bit. So we go 3 is to 1, which is we work for 3 months, take a month off. Another 3 months, take a month off. 3 months, take a month off. So that becomes like a 9-month work plan. And how much do we earn? How much do we need to earn in those 9 months to make our life very comfortable? And the answer for us has been three times our expenses. So if you look at, I don't know, say your expenses are 50000 a year, then 50000 goes, you know, you earn 150000 50000 goes into tax, 50000 goes into your expenses, 50000 goes into your savings or investments. And I don't know, some people might think 2x is good, some people might think 4x is good, but 7x is always crazy. 10x is always crazy. Because eventually... Nobody gets into business to double their business, treble their business. Nobody does. Everybody gets into business for only one reason. That is that is to control their own life and to make it happier. That's it. Exactly. And then it goes off on a tangent because somehow everybody else but you seems to have a Mercedes. Everybody else but you has 10,000 people and 50,000 on their list. And everybody is going to, you know, Greece and Thailand and whatever. It's not true. Most of the people I know at our level, and we've been around for close to 20 years now, so we know some people who like got 15 million on the list, 10 million. 
a lot of them are miserable. And you find this misery when you're speaking at events, like there's this huge stage, there's 500 people, there's 6,000 people in the audience, whatever. But there is a section which is called the green room. And in the green room are all the speakers. And the speakers are talking about nothing but, oh, I can't wait to go and see my daughter because, you know, she has a school play and I'm here. And they're always somewhere else. And then they go on stage and it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. So it's not hypocrisy, but they've lost sight of what their tuna sandwich is. Because you can speak at these events. You can do four events a year. You can do one event a year. You can do three. You don't have to do 50. But because they don't define that tuna sandwich, there's this constant search for something that they didn't set out to do in the first place. And that really points to, you know, what are you content with? I think that's really what it boils down to. People kind of get in this pattern of growth and they grow just for the sake of growing. Why do you need, like you said, double your amount? Why do you need triple or 10x? That's crazy, right? No, some people are going to say, well, no, I want to grow as big as I possibly can and, and make a billion dollars or whatever. But why? What is a billion dollars going to give you that cash flow enough to meet every need you have and have money to set aside for a rainy day is going to provide for you? That is really, like you said, your tuna sandwich. Can you be content with whatever that number is? What is that number? And what is not just the number, but what is your lifestyle like? And you talked about that with your three-month vacation. How does that work for you in, in real life? And do you actually like shut off email and everything? Or what happens during that month off? Yeah, we do. You know, Somebody else checks our email. So I think when you decide, okay, I'm not going to check email. I'm not going to do anything, not even Facebook and stuff. Because Facebook or any websites can also bring bad news, which can ruin your, your break. And so... We kind of go off the grid. We're not off the internet because you need it for Google Maps. So you're not off the grid, but you're off Facebook and email and stuff like that. And then we have instructions that, you know, if there is an emergency, which there hasn't been in, I don't know, the last 15 years, you know, somebody back home can get through Messenger. But we don't check email. We don't do all that stuff because otherwise what we're doing is we're taking work to the beach. I don't know about you, but as a kid, I never took my homework to the beach. So I don't know how I see all these pictures of people working at the beach. And I'm thinking, no, that's not what the beach is for. I mean, it's a great view, but it's not what the beach is for. The beach Wait. is for sand and surf and possibly drinking a few margaritas, not drowning, but not to work at the beach. What's the point? I don't get it. Right. And I brought my work to the beach. And you know what? I've, it's totally unsatisfying. What's the point of being at the beach if really, if you're going to spend all your whole time in a notebook or whatever. And so I agree with you there. Nowadays, I don't do that anymore. If I'm going to the beach, it's time off. Or if I'm going to the mountains, it's time off. Or hiking the woods, whatever it is, it's time off. And I like that you said, you know, there's not really that much in the way of emergencies, but to really be able to just pull away from work for a bit, that's something I've started doing a little bit in my summer this year, uh, is take a day off every week. Just literally take the day off and do something that is non-work related and stay off the computer. And I'm still struggling with that, to be honest, because it is kind of this pull like, oh, I got to check email. Oh, I got to do this. And I think a lot of solopreneurs probably have that feeling, but I want to get to, in a sense, where you are okay. uh, right now. So the point is that I'm not saying that we'll go on, on vacation and I'll stop checking email right away. Because you have two things. One is work momentum, and then you have vacation or holiday momentum. 
And when you come back from a holiday, you don't feel like working if you've been away long enough. And the same thing happens with work. You kind of go on holiday and then you check email. But if you have someone who's, and this can be just, you know, in our case, it's just Renuka's sister, my wife's sister. So she checks it. She knows, okay, some downloads, are, this person I've got to download, this is what. And the rest of them, she just says, okay, they're on vacation. If it's urgent, you know, let me know. We've not had a situation where people go, oh, just leave them alone. Let them have a good time. We've not had that situation. And I think that what you have to do is get someone whose instructions are, before I wake up, clear all the emails. Like, leave it blank. Because on vacation, maybe it's day one, and you're not used to being on vacation. You go, you check your email, there's nothing. You wake up the next day, there's nothing. By the third day, you go, this is totally pointless. I'm finding nothing in my email. So you stop checking email. And that's a habit so a lot of people, when they talk about habits, they go, okay, we have to break this habit. And they use all of this energy trying to break the habit. But a lot of habits can be broken by intelligent design. And when I say intelligent design, it doesn't mean software. It could be a human being saying, I'm going to check this email every two hours. I'm going to clean it every time. So every time Sean tries to check his email, there's nothing. And I get freaked out at the other side because I have nothing. So I go, I'm out of here. And that's it. So you've got to figure out what is the design that can stop you from working? What is the design that can stop you from going on Facebook? What is that design? Because there is a design in place. You just have to put it in place. And then your habit just breaks because you're helpless. I kind of had a similar experience just this year. I used to be, until very recently, a big-time news hound. I would spend two, three hours a day just reading news websites. And it's a waste of my time because there's nothing I can do about most of the news I read doesn't typically affect me personally anyways. And half the time you're like, why am I reading this? And you're getting you know, all emotional about what's going on and what you can do about it. So I said, I'm going to take advice. A guy named Tim Ferriss wrote the book for our work week. You know, use leech block to block it. But I still find myself, I go to the, the bookmarks in my browser and I'm going there looking for news website. And I'll say, you're blocked right now. And I blocked it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I said, that's silly. I literally deleted all my bookmarks and I've spent in the last three months, I think I've spent 15 minutes on news websites. And it's typically because there's something very specific I'm looking for. And that's the only reason I'm going there. And then I'm out of it. And I don't miss it a bit. As a matter of fact, it has completely uh, revolutionized the amount of productivity I've had in my workday because I'm not spending half my day looking at sites that are distracting me from what my main purpose is, yeah. which is getting things done. And that could be social media for some people. I mean, I, I drastically reduced my social media time. I set myself for a while limits. Now I don't even use a leash block. I don't need it because I don't have a desire to jump in there every two minutes anymore. It's just gone. You've got to break the habit, but do what you have to do. I agree with you. You've got to do that. And so I wanted to ask you a question. I know, you know your time is very valuable. I wanted to ask you this question before we run out of time. If somebody's starting a new business or maybe they're stuck at a plateau and they don't know what to do next, what advice would you have for somebody who's saying, you know, I would like to have control over my own time freedom of choice in how I spend my life, because that's why I think most solopreneurs start a business in the first place, control and freedom and opportunity. How would you direct them getting started? What would be the important things to think through or to consider to begin? So the first thing I would say is what not to do. And the first thing not to do is what a lot of people instinctively do. Like the name of our business when we started out marketing was called Million Bucks. Now, that's completely the opposite of where we are today in terms of tuna sandwich and stuff. So we started out chasing 
exactly what most people chase. And I'm not what you'd call, I was never, I probably spent maybe a year, year and a half total of my whole life in a job, in two or three jobs. So I've been what you call an entrepreneur my whole life. And even so, you get to the point where you think, okay, this is what I'm going for. You know, how can I make a million or how can I get more clients? You know, it's all the stuff that's put in front of you. And you have to think of it more like a mortgage, which is this is how much I have to pay every month. And I think that kind of keeps you in control. It's not easy to resist all the other stuff because everybody else around you seems to be doing better than you and seems to they're not, believe me. Uh, very few people are truly happy and very few people are in control. Like, what is control? So control means that I can create products that I want to create, not what my clients want me to create. That's control. I can do a workshop on Mother's Day if I want to, despite the fact that everybody else tells me that Mother's Day will not work because nobody's going to show up on Mother's Day. So control means it's like being a kid and saying, you know, mommy and daddy are not around. I'm just going to do what I want. That's kind of a level of control, but it's very, it's almost kind of playful in a way that you're going to enjoy yourself doing this stuff. And I think the first thing that people do is they, it's very hard for them to keep that sense of control because they're so focused on everything else. And it, it gets them very frustrated because to get any business, say, for instance, we're doing marketing right now and say tomorrow I just changed my name or anybody, you know, your friend Tim Ferriss uh, or anybody changed their name. You, you take J.K. Rowling, for instance, who wrote Harry Potter. She changed her name. She changed the way she wrote. And the book wasn't such a success after all. It sold, but it didn't sell that well. And that's kind of what you need to think of. If I were J.K. Rowling today and I changed my name, what success would I meet? And then you think, well, why am I doing this? And I'm doing this for the process. I'm doing this for the joy of it. And then I will do enough marketing. I will do enough stuff. I will take enough steps to make it a commercial success. But I can't go, you know, let me just be J.K. Rowling. I'm not J.K. Rowling. Or I am J.K. Rowling, but now with a different name. So essentially, if you think of it from that mindset, then you, you get to the point where you're nobody. Nobody knows of you. You're not expected to get to that crazy success overnight. But there are loads of steps that you're going to have to do or make or take or whatever to get to that point. And you will be stupid along the way. I spent $8,000 going to a five-day conference. We did a lot of stupid things. There are boxes of things that cost us $1,000 that we thought, oh, this is going to change everything. So I would just say, take your uh, dollop of stupidity because that's part of the whole process. Learn from it. But in the end, know what your tuna sandwich is, what is going to make you happy so that you can just enjoy your life rather than living up to someone else's expectations. Which is great. I love your analogy with a mortgage because that's how you kind of define what is your real income level needed and not just, you know, can you make that income, but can you make that income while living the type of lifestyle you want yep. without having, you know, you don't have to have a comparison with somebody who's next door or across town to be happy. What is it that you really want? I mean, do you really need a mansion? Do you really need, you know, a Ferrari? Maybe you do. And so if you do, put that in your mortgage, right? But deciding what that is, I think that's great. So. That's getting started, but you're well along the path here and you've 
that sounds like kind of like found your tuna sandwich and, and uh, you're eating it. What's next? What's next for Sean and Renuka? So this is always a question that people ask because technically when you get to a certain stage, you get to the point where what if I stopped working today? How long could I go without having to work for anybody or based on their whims? You know, this is what I want from you as a client. And for us, it's for the rest of our lives. Like we're paid up, we're done. There's no mortgages and there's enough savings in the bank for the rest of our lives. So then why? Why do you do that? So this is the whole problem, which is if you start on this journey early in the road or you figure it out somewhere, you realize that you don't wake up for the money and you wake up for something else. I wake up for questions. I wake up for... I wake up to solve problems like why is the road circular and why is it not, you know? So that's kind of what interests me. I think that these are the problems that people have once they reach a certain amount. I mean, people who reach X number of million dollars and X number of clients, they find that the sofa doesn't get softer because they have two million instead of four million. Nothing actually changes. The only thing that changes in your life is scale. So you can buy a bigger house, a bigger car, more cars. You can just scale. You can never get more happy. So the only thing that kind of keeps you happy, incidentally drives income, whether you like it or not, is probably this whole loop back, which is what interests you and how can you try to solve that mystery for other people. That's what we do every day. We just solve mysteries. That's terrific. I love it. And this has been such a great conversation. Can you tell our audience, where can they learn more about you? I know you have a podcast. Can you share that for sure? And where else can they find you? So the three-month vacation podcast, that's all. It's not interviews. It's just content just created by us. And I think you'll find that interesting because it doesn't rush you along. You know, like other podcasts are like, oh, you have to do everything. Fear of missing out. No, no, nothing like that. Uh, So that's, if you enjoyed this, you probably enjoy that because that gives you content. And uh, you already mentioned it, psychotactics.com. Have a look there. And if you want to read the brain audit, be my guest. It's there at Psychotactics. There's lots of stuff at Psychotactics. Yeah, you could spend the next half year never buying anything. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I think I'm going to tell you guys listening, absolutely true. There's so much on Psychotactics.com. Definitely check it out. Sean, this truly has been my honor to have you on the show. I appreciate you taking the time of your day to join us and share your knowledge with our audience. Love to have you on another time in the future. But in the meanwhile, I want to wish you the best, great next vacation. When's your next vacation? Five weeks from now. All right now. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Well, Sean, I'm going to wish you a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can find the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 015. This episode was recorded well before coronavirus exploded throughout our world. As I record this outro, the official count of worldwide cases has just jumped past the 1 million mark. While listening to this episode again to prepare the show notes, 
I was struck by the comments I made to Sean about giving up the 24-hour news cycle and constant checking of social media for the latest updates, how it allowed me to become far more productive and positive. But like many, I found myself sucked back into the 24-hour news cycle again and constantly checking online for the latest updates. So today I'd like to encourage you to join me in turning off the news again. Yes, we need to stay informed and prepared, but we don't need 24-7 negativity. In the episode and show notes, I share a tool I'm going to start using again to help with that. So what shall we do instead? How about we support each other with positive action? Entrepreneurs have always been known for innovation. So think about it. What can you do to help someone you know? Think about it. Then do it. Helping others is a surefire way to lift your own spirits. And speaking of helping others, you'll find me and an entire group of solopreneurs and business builders ready to help you with your business challenges, whatever they are in my all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community. You'll find the link to join in the show notes at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 015. And I have a gift for you, 30 days completely free membership, which includes live monthly business training and all recordings, significant member benefits, and our terrific interactive member community. Use discount code SS30FREE when you check out to accept my free 30-day membership gift. Again, that code is SS. 33 SS 30 FREE and you'll find a link to the community on the show notes page at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 015 and chin up there is a light at the end of this coronavirus tunnel <laughs>